0: we do so with great reverence and humility acknowledging that your word is not just intellectually learned but spiritually discerned and perceived and so we invite your Holy Spirit to awaken within each and every one of us that which is necessary to hear what thus saith the Lord give us ears that hear hearts that receive minds that are open and we give you permission to change us by what we hear from glory to glory, that we may emerge as not just hearers but doers of your word, carrying out the purpose of your will, conforming to the image of Jesus, and becoming that for which he sacrificed his life, and shed his precious holy blood, I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost And as always, we'll continue to give you the praise, honor, and glory that you deserve for all things that are achieved among us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah, amen. Anyone need a copy of the notes, just kindly raise your hand. Our title this evening is Revival. Promote or prevent it? Would you want to promote it or prevent it? I'd rather promote it collectively among us and individually in all of our lives. And to revive just means to make alive once again. Amen. To resurrect something. Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 12 will be our text. Look at through 14. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice if I shut up heaven that there be no rain or if I command the locusts to devour the land or if I send pestilence among my people if my people which are called by my name shall humble their neighbors I just want to make sure you're awake on Wednesday evening humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land notice the things he will do I will hear I will forgive and I will heal hallelujah he will he will he will the temple just got complete completed the work was done they offered a sacrifice the fire of God fell hallelujah God's fire fell among the people the glory was seen among the people they couldn't even stand a minister for by reason of the cloud it filled the temple of God when this occurred they bowed before the Lord you don't have to prod anybody to worship when the glory is seen when the fire falls And the power of God is on display like that. They fell before the Lord. They bowed before the Lord on the earth. And they began to worship the living God. Eight days later, the Lord again appears to Solomon. And what does he do? He reveals to him some things that will promote or some things that will prevent revival among the people. And by that I mean God's presence, his power, his glory being on display among the people. And what we discover is disobedience and rebellion will always shut down the move of God. But where you have obedience and repentance coming together in the lives of people there'll be a display of God's awesome power that will create a revival of blessing and God's presence among them. So in these verses of scripture notice the four things he said that will either promote or prevent revival from occurring. He said humble yourself number one. He said to pray number two. He said to seek number three. Seek and then what? Turn or repent. Those four things. We're going to talk about those four things tonight. Since we're in this time And really waiting on God, fasting in prayer, by the way has anybody here already been refreshed just by spending a little bit extra time in the presence of the Lord during this time of waiting on God and fasting in prayer, I know I have I've been refreshed beyond measure, i got to fire my bones if you think I was fired up before you better look out because I'm telling you what, I'm set ablaze, my heart's set ablaze and I'm on fire for the living God what about you? He wants us to be enthusiastic about His work, He wants us to be set ablaze, He wants us to be on fire, a fire within our bones, praise God a renewed, a revived interest in the things of God, God doesn't change man changes, our perspectives change, our thoughts change, our actions change, our behavior changes, but God is always constant, He is always the same yesterday, today, forever and always amen? always the same okay first of all the first thing that prevents revival is pride because you see promoting it is they will humble themselves but what's the opposite of humbling yourself pride so pride in any person's life among any group of people will prevent revival fires from breaking out individually or collectively look at Romans chapter 12 also in verse 3, to be full of pride means that you've got to be the one that gets all the attention, it means that you view yourself more highly than other people and in this verse we are told by the Lord, by the Spirit, for I say unto you through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction so we know that pride is detrimental to the move of God in a person's life and so if a person is caught up in pride has to always be right, won't receive correction the focus has to be on him, it's like being a narcissist, you've got to have the attention, everybody's got to look at what you're doing and all that, if we have those tendencies or characteristics among us that we can't receive correction or whatever and we think that we're always right, we can be caught up in pride and God doesn't want us to be full of pride, it'll bring us down and then also look in the book of Revelation chapter uh, 3 and verse 17, the first part of the verse, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable, poor, blind and naked. There's not time to really teach this. We did it before. But they as a church the Laodicean church were caught up in the pride and they felt they didn't have need of anything. They had it going for them. And Jesus says to them you think you have it. You think you're rich. You think you're increased with goods. You think all this but you know what, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked, and that just cut right to the quick, it hit them where they live when he said that, why did he say it? to bring them down, to show them the need to be humble, and realize that apart from him they couldn't have anything in the book of Proverbs chapter 6, we are told that God hates pride or a proud look, these six things does the Lord hate, yea seven are an abomination unto him notice the word abomination not a good word I would say he detests it but notice he doesn't talk about some of the carnal physical sins first thing he says is a proud look a proud look so in other words someone that's caught up in the pride it's an abomination to him because you see he doesn't see correctly Look in James chapter 1, I'm chapter 4, rather, and verse 7 Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Why? Because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So, if God resists the proud, then when a person is full of pride, or if a group of people, if that group is full of pride then there's God resisting I don't want God's resistance I want God to unleash his miracle working power among us, upon us in us and through every single one of us as we recognize our need to humble ourselves before him so getting caught up in the pride is not a good thing It's a destructive force that will stop revival fires from burning. Okay what promotes revival fires? And that is humility. It means to bow oneself down. It means to submit to the authority of someone else or of another. And of course since God being our supreme authority he wants us to do what? Bow down to him and surrender to him. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 6 and 7 humble yourselves, notice it's not something someone else can do for you humble yourself, God is speaking to all of our hearts and minds right now, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God, why? that he may exalt you in due time, God wants us to humble ourselves before him, hallelujah Uh, can you back that up to verse 5 brother Paul, can you do that? He wants us to submit ourselves one to another in the fear of the living God. He wants us to recognize that we have need of each other. And that no person in the body of Christ is an unused member. And that we're all to esteem each other as more highly than even ourselves. So he says, likewise you younger... Submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with. Did you put on your cloak of humility this this evening when you came to church? Clothe yourself with what? Humility. Why? Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. It's an act of humility when you get before the throne and say, you know what, Lord? It doesn't seem like there's a possibility that this could take place. It seems like that door's closed, this door's closed, and whatever. But I'm coming before your throne. I'm humbling myself before you. I'm submitting myself to your leadership. I'm surrendering my heart to your will. And I believe that you care enough for me to make a way for me when seemingly there is no way. And so I humble myself before you that you may exalt me In due season or due time. In other words, it will take place as long as we persevere and stay faithful and continue humbling ourselves before Him. Look in John chapter 15 and verse 5. Here's the reason why we all should have a humble heart and attitude. I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, there's a few things you can't do no without me what can we do what can we do if you really study the scriptures here's what you find out you find out that without him we are nothing we know nothing we have nothing we can do nothing would that be a reason to be humble it's the vine that produces the branches obviously have to abide in the vine to produce fruit right So we're completely dependent upon the vine. And so he says, humble yourself before me. I will lift you up. I will cause you to be fruit bearing. I will enable you to bring forth much fruit. As you do what? Just focus on me. Just think about me. Submit to me. Surrender to me. And I will lift you up. So when we gather together like this in a church service, what are we here for? To exalt him. What are we here for? To wait on him? To invite his spirit to move? We are here to focus our attention on the living God and let him have his way among us. Not to write out step by step exactly what we're going to do, but to say here I am Lord, have your way in my life. Here I am surrendering my heart to you. I want to see you in glory and power. I want you to manifest your presence in such a glorious way so that you would be exalted and not me next the second thing what else is it that say prevents the revival fires of God from burning among the people individually and collectively prayerlessness prayerlessness notice he says humble yourself was one and number two was what and pray that means spend some time communing with God Prayerlessness is, you could say, a cousin to pride. What you're actually saying is this, I can do it myself, on my own. I don't need anybody's help. You say, but I never say that. But if we don't pray, it is a nonverbal statement that I don't really need you. I don't need your intervention. If you don't ask, you're not going to receive. But if I say to the Lord Lord, I need your strength then I'm showing him I'm dependent on him. I can't do it alone. I need your help. So prayerlessness is a thing that prevents revival fires from burning in an individual's heart and also among the people of the congregation. To be honest with you, it would be such a thrill of my heart to see this place on Wednesday nights as we pray from 6.30 to 7 to be filled with hungry hearts that want to see God on display in their lives individually, as a family, collectively as a church body. It would bless my heart. I'm not discouraged but I'll be honest with you, it would bless my heart a whole lot more because the need is there. God wants us all to reach this community everywhere, no matter where you live, where you come from. This tri-state area, I believe he wants to set ablaze and set on fire. And as we gather together in prayer and faith, believing God through fasting prayer, waiting on God, allowing the revival fires to fall. Now listen, we can't create revival. You realize that? Only... God can cause revival that's it but we can position ourselves to experience revival if we wait on him in prayer and honor him and so prayer what does it do it promotes revival fires and so when God's people come together like this and we humble ourselves and what do we do we pray O Lord God almighty creator of heaven and earth and seeing all that in them is I come before your holy presence acknowledging that apart from you I can do nothing and so I stand in awe of your holy presence and I give myself in prayer to you that I might be a vessel of honor used by you to meet the needs of other people to evangelize my communities to touch hearts, change lives, minister to the lost, bring them into the sheepfold, the family of God, to lay hands on the sick so that they can recover. I yield myself to you. I give myself to you. I am yours. Let these hands be laid on the sick that they may recover. Hallelujah. That's what we're praying. Believe in God. Remember Mark 1, verse 35, when it says about Jesus? You know, Jesus was a revival everywhere he went. And prayer was the catalyst. In the morning rising up a great while before day he went out and departed to a solitary place and what did he do? And there prayed. Now wait a minute. Why would the sinless immaculate son of the living God have to pray? He's God almighty manifested in the flesh. Because he said what I do I only do what my father does. What I see my father do that's what I do. He got his orders. He got his direction. He got everything he needed straight from the throne of the, of, of the living God, his father and said I'm only going to act out those things that he imparts to me to do. So he met with the father in prayer and then he went everywhere as a revival fire burning among the people. Healing the sick, setting the captives free, raising the dead, causing the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk and the maimed to be made whole. Meeting financial needs meeting relational needs Bringing forgiveness forth. I mean the list goes on and on. Everywhere he went and all that he did. But where did it start? In the prayer room. When God's people come together sometimes just to say you know what? I'm not here to be entertained I'm not here to see what somebody else is wearing. I'm not here out of duty or obligation. I have come to seek your face. I have come to lift my voice on high and let you know I join together with my other brothers and sisters in the Lord, believing for you to pour out your spirit and manifest your glory and your power, your mighty presence among us. When God's people come together like that and pray, praise God, there's no telling what God can do. Look at uh, Jonah chapter 3 and verse 8, you say what in the world does that have to do with revival fires? Well when you pray and say God I need you he'll respond to that. You ask, you, you receive because you ask, you don't ask if you ask you're going to get it. Remember Jonah was sent to Nineveh and remember the people were living terrible lives and just doing unseemly things. Having people skinned alive and burning, I mean just terrible things they were doing sacrificing infants and all that. And so Jonah was told to go to Nineveh. But Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he wanted the fire of God to fall not in forgiveness and empowerment but to destroy them. And so he left him and went in the opposite direction. Well he finally then obeyed God and he went to Nineveh. And then they, when they heard the judgment that was to befall them what did they do? But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, that's humility, and cry mightily unto God that's prayer. In other words you could say it this way, let man and beast be covered with humility and pray mightily unto God yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands and so what happened was they repented. They did exactly what we're talking about here. And the hand of judgment, God's hand of judgment was stayed and there was a mighty revival among the people that took place. Can you eat? See, we can only read that, but we can't see it. They set this aside. They set that aside. We're not going to do that anymore. Change of heart, change of mind, change of attitude, lives being spared And people getting saved. Just an amazing thing that took place. Why? Because they humbled themselves and because they prayed. Next, not seeking and seeking. He said seek my face. So if we don't seek his face, what do we do? We prevent revival in our lives. Among the church. All the people. So Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says it this way but without faith it is impossible everybody say impossible. It's impossible to please him for he that comes to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently what? Seek him. So if there's no seeking there can be no reward but when we seek him there is a reward. And what does it mean to seek? To search. To search with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. To search. Pour every fiber of your being into diligently seeking what it is that God would have for you. So seeking, you could say then promotes revival fires. It promotes a greater working of God in our midst, in our individual lives, in our family in the whole church body. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. I know you know some of these verses for I know the thoughts that I think towards you say it, the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end or a future and a hope then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you And you shall seek me and find me when? When you search or when you shall search for me with all your heart or wholeheartedly. Not half-heartedly. Not saying I tried it and I gave up. Uh -uh. It means to seek or to search after God with passionate desire. A longing of the soul. Look in Psalm 63, this is David. King David O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longs for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Notice the context in which he says this. It's like a man in a desert that has had nothing to drink And his body is crying out for refreshing, for water, for nourishment, for food. Crying out, crying out desperately, I need water. Desperately, I need food. So he is saying that there is a cry that comes from the depths of a person's soul that says enough is enough. I've had it with all the mundane things of this world and all that's going on around me. I desire God I hunger for God I thirst for God as a man who is in dire need of water to see your power and your glory I want to see your power and your glory I long to see your power I long to experience your glory as I have seen thee in the sanctuary why because your loving kindness is better than life my lips shall praise thee while I live I will lift up my hands it goes on to say in thy name So here David makes it very clear that he saw God but now he's been apart and away from God because he's away from the temple. Remember the, the presence of God was located in one spot. It's not like us today. We are God's mobile home unit today. Everywhere we go we have the presence of God but it was there and he longed for it. He was running away from Saul. He is out there I want to see your glory. I long to experience your presence. I don't want to come to church and just say, that was a nice song it give me a couple of goosebumps and all that and, and so on and then leave. I want to come and I want to experience your presence in such a profound and glorious way that this place is so full of the glory of Almighty God that we can't even stand up to minister for my reason to the cloud. That the Holy glory of God and anointing of God falls upon us in this place with such waves of power and might that right where people sit in the pew their need is met, they're healed, they're delivered, they're set free, their bondages are being broken praise God hallelujah, is that your longing desire? You know, we could say oh that sounds good but no it's more than that, we long for it, we desire it we don't want to come be a religious institution do we? full of religious tradition that denies the power of God we want God's power to save the lost set the captives free turn the addict's life around amen that's what we long to see praise God and God's power can manifest and will manifest that way as we wait upon him look at Psalm 42 beginning at verse 1 as the heart pants after the water brooks so panteth my soul after thee, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Oh, hallelujah. In other words, we set aside those wonderful little prayers that we just wrote out and all that, and we just roll up our sleeves and get to the presence and just say, Lord, you know what? I want you. I don't want what you do. I want you. I long for you. I long to walk and live in your presence. I long to to reverence you in such a way that your manifested presence is realized in my life. I want reality. I want to see you for who you are. Don't you remember Moses says, show me your glory, show me your glory, show me your glory. And he was so persistent in it that what did God say? I'll show you my back parts but you can't see my face. Put him in the cleft of the rock remember? Yeah. David wanted to see his glory. Moses wanted to see his glory. Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord and when he saw the glory of the Lord high and lifted up and full of glory his train filled the temple the angels cried holy my eyes have seen the glory. You don't have to tell someone to bow oh there's such a spirit of irreverence and, and, and I would just say it's a spirit that manifests itself in being informal among people in church today I, I guess you, you could almost say it like this, it's seeker friendly churches, seeker friendly, just talk to me about a nice message but don't challenge me in any way, don't talk about sin, don't talk about things that offend God, just let me know that I'm a-okay the way I am and no matter how I live I don't want to be in that church I want to be challenged by the living God I want to know how I can become more and more like my Savior and my Redeemer who shed His blood for my life I want Him to clean me up inside outside I want to perfect holiness in the fear of the living God I want to get among people of like precious faith that say God's not done with me yet he's got a whole lot more to do with me and I'm giving him every opportunity so come on brother preach it let me know what God wants me to do what he doesn't want me to do here I am I'm yours take me mold me he's the potter we're the clay take me mold me make me to be the person that you want me to be I give you the liberty and you know what as we look and behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord we're changed from glory to glory into the very image of the living God and we'll never change if we're not challenged but when we're challenged praise God we'll be changed but God wants us to come together with this way of thinking I want you and I want all of you I'm not holding anything back and I know you won't hold anything back from me so ask yourself the pointed question how much time do I give of myself in seeking seek, you want to, promote, we want to promote revival here in the church how much time do we give in seeking God's presence seeking God's glory, through the study of the word, through prayer, through waiting on God, maybe, maybe throwing in some fasting and all that, how much time do we give to doing that, because I guarantee you, the more we do, the more we're going to get the less of self, the more of God, can you say amen is that what your heart longs for Is that what your longing desire is? Do you want to see His glory as in a dry and thirsty land where no water is? Do you want that in your life? Is that the longing of your soul? As David said, my soul longs for it. This is what I want. I don't want to go to church and just have a feel-good message and walk out the door and say everything's okay. I want to be changed. I want more of God manifesting through my life. I want to see the living God praise God in powerful ways in my life. And then the last one, not turning and turning. Not turning and turning. Of course the word turn there is really the word repent. Repent means to turn around and go in another direction. In other words make a complete 180. I was walking in this direction. See that's the whole reason for spending some time, just a little bit of time of fasting and prayer. You know what it does? It denies the flesh the right to rule our lives. And it calls upon the spirit to rise up and take control. It gives God an opportunity to emphasize some things and to be emphasized to us. And so when he puts us under the light of his scrutiny, and do you know what? He will not intrude if we don't allow it. If we don't give him the opportunity to intrude into our lives and say, shine the light of your scrutiny upon me. Try my heart. My reins and my heart. If we don't do that, he won't arbitrarily just move in and just bowl you over and and just take over, but when you say, Lord, I want to look more like Jesus I want to be more like Jesus, I want to act like more like Jesus, I want to experience a greater measure of your power, your presence, your anointing and your glory in my life and so I'm coming boldly to the throne of grace by the blood of the Lamb that you shed for me and I'm coming dear Father God, presenting myself before you and anything that I need to turn from, I want to turn from, whatever displeases you in any way, see this extreme grace message, you know what it's done it's made people complacent it's already done, sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, everybody's in complacent, doesn't matter what goes on, I don't believe that's the attitude we should have before God, I am a firm believer in this the closer we get to Him, the more the chaff is burned away from our lives, the closer we get to the throne of God the more that that fire, our God's a consuming fire burns those things away from our life that displeases God. God isn't that what we should want? Amen. And so we get closer and closer to Him and as we do, He points out certain things and says, now look, watch your tongue. Don't be so critical about people. It could be whatever He says, but what are we to do? Acknowledge it and say, yea Lord, I understand, I repent. Look at Psalm 59 verses 1 and 2. behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you his face is his presence his power his glory that you will not hear so notice it's not a God issue it's usually a man issue God wants to pour out his spirit God wants to manifest his glory God wants to bow the heavens to the earth God wants to show himself strong but he's telling them that look you got to deal with some things and if you'll deal with those things then I will hear from heaven I will show myself strong I will pour forth of my spirit so his arm is not too short that it cannot heal deliver and set the captives free he said but I can't hear what you're saying because there's something that's interfering and we all should be that humble before God and say okay Lord what is it What is it that I need to deal with? So if we don't repent, if we don't turn away from those things that could be short circuiting our relationship with God, then there can't be revival fires. But if we turn, and turn means to repent, it means to go in an opposite direction, to set that thing aside. And remember, it could be sins of omission as well as commission. In other words, neglect, I would I venture to say this, for the most part in the body of Christ, it's probably the sin of neglect more than anything else. Omission. I should be reading, I should be studying, I should be praying, I should be going to church, I should be giving, I should be witnessing, and it's, you know, I know I should be doing that. Can we all say amen to that? Absolutely. God never put a limit on himself. We could have all of him if we want. We could be filled with all the fullness of God, he said. What about my love walk? Am I walking in love like I should be walking in love? And if I'm not, just turn from it. It's not like a message that condemns people that says, you're not doing this and you're not doing that. No, it's getting before God and just saying, okay, clean me up. Show me where I need to make some adjustments in my life. Am I being too critical? Am I finding, let's say, the uh, toothpick in my brother's eye when I've got a beam or a telephone pole in mine? Whatever it might be, show me. I want to adjust that. I want to change that. I want to stop that. Why? I want more of you and less of self. I want you to be glorified in my life. You see, when it comes to turning, it's changing our way of thinking, changing our way of acting, changing our behavior in our lives to line up with God's will for our lives. And if we will do that and honor him that way, he says, I'm going to do some things for you. Look at the book of Psalm 51 before we look at the rewards and blessings. This is David after he sinned with Bathsheba. And Nathan came to him and told him about the error of his way. This is true heartfelt repentance revealed to us, taught to us by David based on his experience with God. And I'm telling you that when this occurred and Nathan came to him, you talk about an eye-opening experience. This is someone who was named a man after God's own heart who is known by that name even to this day. But it's a man that committed adultery that led to committing murder and deception and cover-up And then he wouldn't even repent for it because he thought that because he covered it up everything was okay. And here's what he says when he finds out of his wrongdoing. Have mercy upon me O God according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. So in other words, I'm taking responsibility for my life. I'm not blaming somebody else for my actions. I'm not going to blame my husband. I'm not going to blame my wife. I'm not going to blame the children. I'm not going to blame the coworker. I am taking full responsibility for my life, my behavior, my conduct, my attitudes, etc, etc. So if I do that look at then, look what else his desire was. Look at verse 10 create in me a clean heart o god and renew a right spirit within me cast me not away from thy presence david long for the presence of the living god take not thy holy spirit from me restore to me the joy of my salvation of thy salvation and uphold me with your free spirit paul in second corinthians chapter 7 talked about worldly sorrow and godly sorrow And godly sorrow is not to be repented of. But worldly sorrow is just being sorry because I got caught and the consequences that I'm going to suffer and endure as a result of my wrongdoing, I don't like. But that's not really being sorry, is it? We're just sorry we got caught and we're sorry for the consequences. But the Lord is speaking to hearts and saying, look, godly sorrow is this. I'm not sorry because of the consequences but because I hurt the heart of my father God because I've done something let's say to disturb him maybe even to impact his kingdom to bring reproach to the kingdom of God Oh my goodness, remember after David did this and Nathan came to him and said what he had done and God spoke out and said, look what you've done. Look how you've made me look among the people. You've given them an opportunity to criticize me your God because of what you've done. And I believe that's why David cried out with godly sorrow saying, I am so sorry not for what it's going to cost me, but because I hurt you Father, your heart. I've done this to hurt you. I remember one writer saying, Where are those that if they saw sin here and hell there, they'd rather jump in the hellfire than sin against their God? And boy, that made me think for a while. Oh my goodness. They'd rather jump in the hellfire than sin against their God. Boy, that's a long way from someone that says, Oh, just go ahead and do it. God will forgive you. Did you ever hear that? Just go ahead and do it, God will forgive you. That kind of, I know this isn't a popular message with people. I understand that. But we're laying the foundation for revival fires. We're laying the foundation to have every individual set ablaze for the living God. We're setting a foundation for a people to come, you want to see the lost saved, the sick healed, bound to delivered and set free? You want to see marriages restored, wayward children coming back to God? Young people set ablaze and on fire for God? I'll tell you what, it's only going to happen when the glory of the Lord floods the temple of the Most High God. And the glory is only going to come when we do exactly what he said. What is that? Humble yourself, pray, seek my face, and turn from wicked ways. Turn from ways that displease me. And he says three things. I will number one, hear from heaven. I will hear from from heaven. Look at the book of Psalms, Psalm 34 verse 15-17 through I will hear from heaven, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, He sees you fasting and praying, He sees you seeking His face, He sees you calling upon His name, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, His ears are open to their cry the face of the Lord is against them that do evil, my goodness You don't want that to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of half of their troubles. All of their troubles. Oh, the eyes of the Lord are upon us. Can you say that with me? Father, your eyes are upon me now. Your ears are attentive to my prayers. I call upon you with a true heart and I thank you for touching my heart touching my mind, touching my life opening my eyes to see what I can do to better honor you and glorify you in my life, hallelujah, praise God thank you Jesus, so he will hear us you can say something like this, like David I long to see your glory Father, I long to see your glory. Like Moses, I long to see your glory. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. I long for it. That's my heart's desire. I cry out for it from the depth of my soul. Oh, Father, search my heart. Try my reins. It is my longing desire to experience reality with you. Not just to have doctrine. Not just to say I can quote a scripture. But I want to see you, I want to know you, I want to experience you. Do you remember what Paul, his desire was? In Philippians chapter 3, he said, I count everything that I've learned before Christ as dung compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. I want to see him as he fully is. I want, to have, I want to perceive him with the depth of my soul that I might know him, the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his suffering if by any means I could conform to the very image of the living Christ that he'll manifest himself in my body. This is my longing goal and desire in my life. That's what Paul said. Remember he said that? And he says here's the plan here's how you do it forget those things that are behind you, yesterday's gone, forget about it your faults, your failures, your successes or whatever, put it all behind you but then press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God press in, push in, say I want this I want more of you Lord, I want all that you have to offer I'm pressing in, but then also thirdly he says, but now walk in what you know right now walk in what you know right now, why you're not going to get more Till you walk in what you know and so as we walk in what we know, we're going to get a whole lot more from God. So when we gather together and come together as a church body like this, a church family like this, and we walk into this sanctuary, we'll all be on the same page, we'll all have the same desire. Our praise and worship is not going to be because Tammy said, sing a little bit louder, sing a little bit stronger. "Sing," but No, it's going to be, I've come to see the glory of the living God. I'm going to sing until the glory comes down, praise God. I'm going to sing from the depth of my soul because... I have to honor him for who he is and what he's done for me. I rejoice in the God of, of my salvation. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. You know how many people have gone to the other side in glory they've come back to tell about it and said we've heard the trees and the flowers singing the praises of almighty God. People walking up and down the streets have gold, just jumping and shouting and praising the living God. Praise God that they serve. Can you imagine that? Isn't that how we should be on this end? Just loving God, worshiping God, praising God, longing to be in His presence. Amen. And then uh, He forgives our sins. Psalm 103 verse 3 part of our covenant rights, he will hear from heaven, he will forgive our iniquities, look he forgives all our iniquities, he heals all our diseases, he will do that, he'll forgive all of our sins, so sin is not an issue thank God for the blood, there is something greater than the power of sin and that's the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ in the life of every individual person, see here's the thought, it's if we don't acknowledge it, if we don't see it, if we, if we close our eyes to it, then of course we're being full of pride But when God says, hey, you need to stop talking about your brother like that, stop talking about your sister like that, don't take it from the person that said it. Listen to the Spirit of God and just say, you know what, Lord, you're right about that. I'm going to change my attitude. I'm going to speak words of faith and love and power over the people that I know. I'm going to love on them like I've never loved on them before. I'm even going to love my enemies. I'm going to bake my enemy a cake. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for those that spite of you and abuse you, and speak well of those that speak ill of you, that you may be perfect, mature, as your Father is in heaven. He is good to the righteous and the unrighteous. He sends rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous. The sun shines upon the righteous and the unrighteous. Does it not? It provides for all. And that's how good God is. And it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. So God's a good God. He wants to be glorified and magnified among the people. And he wants us to experience the best that he has to offer all of us. And the way we're going to have it is through the glory of God manifesting here among us every time we assemble ourselves together. In our individual lives, in our families, in our homes, etc., etc. So if we will do what? Humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, turn him from wicked ways. He will hear from heaven. He will forgive our sin and heal finally. Healing is the last thing. He's going to heal our land. And what does heal our land mean? Basically he was talking about the temple there. In this place it's set apart for him. We know the words were referred to the Israelites, he spoke to them, but still it's the same principle that applies to all generations of people, because we're all the same kind of people. We're his people called by his name. He said, if my people. He didn't say if the unsaved, he said if my people. Unsaved people, they don't need a revival, what they need is salvation. But God's people that are saved, what do they need sometimes? They need to be revived. They need to once again rise up and go forward in the things of God and be encouraged to do so, admonished to do so so he said he would hear from heaven, forgive our sin and bring healing to our land and our land is everything that pertains to our lives you ready for it? everything that pertains to you, spiritually, emotionally physically, relationally, financially, everything that pertains to your life, he says I will do what? bring healing to your land, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your children, whether it's your church whatever, I'm going to bring, and who can do that but God alone he will stretch forth his mighty hand, and he'll see to it. Then he runs across, if need be, a million people to get to the person that says, I'm going to honor you, and by faith, I'm going to do exactly what you said, Lord. Now, my eyes are on you. I'll do my part. I know you'll do your part. What's our part? Humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, turn from ways. What's his part? Hear from heaven. Forgive our sins and heal our land. Let's gather around this altar before we dismiss tonight. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen.